What's good, people? Welcome to Cultureless Theory. For this episode, we will be revisiting the second highest selling rapper in history's catalog, the late great Tupac Shakur. For this list, we will be ranking his solo albums both released before and after his passing. We will not be including projects that count as group albums like Thug Life or The Outlaws Joint. With that out of the way, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button if you're feeling the content, and hit that super thanks button if you've been waiting on this one. With that out the way, let's get to it. Number 10, Loyal to the Game. Let's be honest about this list. It's basically a tale of two types of Pac albums, ones that dropped when he was alive and the posthumous releases. Many of the latter aren't to the level of the quality that we received while he was here, so you shouldn't be surprised to see those toward the bottom of the list. Starting with the only posthumous release that featured no original production, Loyal to the Game, Eminem expressed interest in producing a Tupac album to his late mother of Feeney Shakur. She gave the okay and the results were, let's say, mixed. While we're not mad at the ambition, as M is a student of the game, so we're certain this was a bucket list moment for him, plus the original songs were recorded between 91 and 94. Hip hop production had evolved considerably by the time this dropped, so getting a refresh was a smart play. So how'd he do? Eh, not great. M beats are already an acquired taste, Add the fact that he had to adjust the pitch and speed of some of Pac's vocals, which didn't help. Had him sounding more like an AI Pac than the man himself. With that being said, there were some joints that hit, like Out on Bail, Don't You Trust Me, and the standout Ghetto Gospel. Oddly enough, there's a handful of remixes at the end that were produced by others like Red Spider, Raphael Sadiq, DJ Quick, and Scott Storch. Those sounded way better, especially the Scorch produced Po' Nigga Blues. Ten tracks of that, and we would have been on to something. At the end of the day, we didn't love the final result, but we didn't necessarily hate it either. The task was understandably tough given the legacy of Pac, so we'll give Slim Shady an E for effort. Number 9, Pac's Life. The latest release from the Pac estate continued the concept of taking old vocals and swapping out the production like they did with the aforementioned Loyal to the Game. This time they tapped LT Hutton, Shaw Money XL, and Swizz among others for beat assistance. Only one record on the album was left untouched, with the others, including multiple features, from artists who were hot at the time filling in gaps to complete songs. Guest appearance included but weren't limited to T.I., Papoose, Chameleonaire, Young Buck, and Lil Scrappy. Now we can debate all day whether or not if Pac was alive he would or wouldn't have collaborated with those artists, but we just want to know did they at least sound good together? Hey, a few did. Sleep with Buck and Chameleonaire was dope. Swizz did his thing with Untouchable featuring Crazy Bone. And Play Your Cards Right featuring Keisha Cole was smooth as hell. We don't think any features on here were major stretches in terms of realistic collabs, but we understand fans being turned off by some. Ironically, the best song was the one left unchanged and that's Soon As I Get Home, so maybe all the extra bells and whistles weren't necessary. New material has been rumored to be dropping soon for some time now, so it'll be interesting to see what direction they take. Let's say a new album was dropping tomorrow. Would you want to hear the original material or have new producers spruce them up? And if so, who? Let us know down in the comments. Two projects we will not be including on this list are the group LPs Tupac and the Outlaws Still I Rise and Thug Life Volume 1. Dropping during a time when anything with Pac's name on it went platinum, Still I Rise was sandwiched in between posthumous double albums Are You Still Down and Until the End of Time. As for the music, it wasn't bad. Check out The Good Die Young, Secrets of War, and Hell for a Hustler to get a taste of the good stuff. Now as for the 1990s, release Thug Life Volume 1, that was another story. That album was complete flames. A criminally underrated project, the importance of this LP can't be understated as we see Pac do a heel turn from conscious material on Strictly For My Niggas to the Thug Life embracing me against the world. Let us know what's your favorite song on Thug Life and why is it How Long Will They Mourn Me? <laughs> 
that was that shit. And if you're as big of a fan of that song as we are, did you know Universal released a music video to it a few years ago to celebrate the 25th anniversary? Except this version includes an alternative pop verse different from the retail release. Go ahead, go play it real quick. You know you want to and then come back here. We won't be mad at you. Number eight, until the end of time. We've heard stories about Pac being a studio rat, but we don't think anyone saw three albums, much less three double albums dropping consecutively after his death. Recording in between filming movies, in and out of court cases, man, that's an insane work ethic. Consisting of material left over from his short run at death row, until the end of time is a very solid collection of quality joints that was satisfying for pop newbies and diehard fans. Commercially successful, moving over 426,000 copies its first week, the appetite for pop music was clearly still there even in the new millennium. Thankfully, we weren't let down as joints like Breathing, All Out, and Running on E gave off that angry Pac energy many saw him switch to once he signed to the road. Those were bangers for sure, but they are thankfully balanced out with smoother, thoughtful joints as well, like the title track, Happy Home, and When Thugs Cry. With almost every double disc ever, there are easily songs that could have stayed on the hard drive, like Thug and You, Thug and Me, MOB, or Worldwide Mob Figures, but still not bad at all for being leftover tracks. Unlike the previous albums on this list, features were kept to his close circle of collaborators like The Outlaws and Big Psych. How happy you are about that depends on what side of the fence you fall on with The Outlaws. Some people don't mind them, while others can't stand them. That's for you to decide. They don't bother us. The margin is slim when it comes to these three posthumous double albums, but Until the End of Time is last simply because it has the higher number of skips out of the three, but don't sleep. There's plenty to rock with on there too. Number seven, Better Days. Wasting no time dropping another collection of music, Better Days released a little over a year after Until the End of Time and consists of more music from Death Row recording sessions. The production duties are mixed between original recordings done by Johnny J and remix beats touched up by Jazzy Faye, Nitty, Edie I mean, and Seven Aurelius, among others. Another respectable entry, and to no one's surprise, it did numbers, this time 366K first week, topping out at three times platinum. This was the first time they experimented with more current artists for features in addition to the usual suspect like the Outlaws. Trick Daddy, Nas, Tyrese, and a very young T.I. appear with mixed results. Thug Mansions with Nas is good, and Godson claimed he and Pac squashed their beef before he passed, so that's cool. Then Tyrese laced Never Call You Bitch again, but we wish Trick and Tip would have had better records to hop on. Still Ballin' and Change Man are two of the weaker songs on the album. Special shout out to the Mr. Biggs feature on the title track, as his signature ad-libs are perfect for the guitar-laced instrumental. Out of the 27 or so tracks, there's very few solo records, leading us to believe many of these were halfway done and needed more vocals to fill them out. Luckily for us, the solo joints are some of the dopest. Street fame, when we ride on our enemies and my block go dumb hard. The former including shots at Biggie protege Lil' Kim. Man, Pac was a wild boy, man. And if you're looking for the more black power version of Pop, make sure you check out They Don't Give a Fuck About Us on Disc 2, one of the more potent 16s on the whole project. The legend of Tupac is unlike any we've seen in the genre of hip-hop. The coverage on him has been non-stop since his passing. From 97 to present, there have been 18 documentaries or docu-series on the late rapper. What are some of your favorites? We gotta say Tupac Resurrection is up there as one of the best hip-hop documentaries, period. Using Tupac's audio to narrate the story was dope. Also, check out Murder Rap, Inside the Biggie, and Tupac murders for those still not clear on who did what. That should help straighten out any confusion. Let us know in the comments which ones you rock with. Also, how did y'all feel about that All Eyes On Me movie? Many fans were left unsatisfied and the film didn't do well at the box office. Should they give that another try? Maybe with a new director possibly? Sound off below, back to the list. Number six, Tupacalypse Now. The politically charged debut album from Pac was a strong but flawed introduction to the rap game. Touching on deep themes like black on black crime, teenage pregnancy, racism, and police brutality, the album can certainly feel heavy. Taking on these themes head on mostly as features are kept to a minimum.
minimum with digital underground member Stretch appearing on two joints, Crooked Ass Nigga and The Lunatic, and Poppy featured on Part-Time Mother, respectively. Stretch, along with his digital underground partner, Shock G, as well as Big D The Impossible, handled the majority of the production duties, which is our biggest issue with the LP. To keep it a stack, man, the beats ain't it. Yes, we know the album came out in 1991, but the fact remains this sound was considered dated just a few years later, and with the exception of a couple of joints, it holds the project back from being super listenable today. Joints like Words of Wisdom and The Lunatic suffer because of it. Conversely, records like If My Homie Calls, Trapped, and Soldier Story do just enough to still be passable today. Speaking on the latter, there was a huge controversy surrounding the song as Houston native Ronald Ray Howard murdered a Texas State trooper doing a routine traffic stop. Howard would be caught the same day and say that rap music conditioned him to hate the police, specifically citing Tupac's Soldier Story as the record he was listening to when he got pulled over. That of course brought a ton of heat to Pac from several people, including then Vice President Dan Quayle, forcing Pac to address the incident in interviews. For those wondering if the rap made me do it excuse worked, it did not, and Howard was convicted of capital murder and sentenced to death, executed several years later in 2005. Also, for my No Limit fans out there, if you're familiar with Cain and Abel's Soldier Story from their 1998 Am I My Brother's Keeper album, then you also know this one because it's an almost exact word-for-word -word replica of the song. Last but certainly not least, the legendary single Brenda's Got a Baby. Come on, man, it's one of Pac's most recognizable records. Is there even another single you could compare this to? Like, what is the closest radio hit that a rapper has put out that's even close to this subject and impact? Exactly, it's a classic. Number five, Are You Still Down? Ah, the sleeper album of the catalog. The first posthumous album to release without creative input from Pac was 1997's double disc, Are You Still Down? An album with this same title was set to drop during his 95 imprisonment, but was scrapped due to his early release. Admittedly, the album was looked at as a disappointment upon its November drop date, simply because the two Pac albums that preceded it are considered classic by many, and Biggie's double disc masterpiece dropped earlier the same year. Upon further review, however, this is easily the best of the series of double albums that we received after his passing. A mixture of original songs and a few that were touched up, the tone can be all over the place, but we can let that slide given the circumstances. The album did well commercially, producing two successful singles, Do For Love and I Wonder If Heaven Got A Ghetto, showing even after death, Pac's music still could resonate on radio. B-side bangers are sprinkled throughout with joints like Hellraiser, Nothing To Lose, and Thug Style holding down disc one, but it's the firepower on disc two that puts it ahead of the other post-death releases. Both singles live there, and bangers like 16 on Death Row, When I Get Free 2, Only Fear Of Death, and Hold On Be Strong go crazy. Easy to miss being buried toward the end of an album that's the length of a motion picture, but do yourself a favor and run it back if it's been a minute. Number four, Strictly For My Niggas. What many would consider his breakout album, Pac's sophomore release is closer in tone to his debut than it would be to anything following it. Originally titled Troublesome 21, the title was shot down by his record label and renamed Strictly For My Niggas. Not accepting that title, but having zero pushback for this one is interesting, but whatever. In case you didn't know, niggas in the title is a backronym standing for never ignorant getting goals accomplished. Still haven't figured out what the Z is meant for at the end, but we'll let it slide. Having filmed two movies in between his freshman and sophomore albums, Juice had already released and Poetic Justice dropped a few months later, his star was ready to shine bright. No better time to have a record with catalog staples like Keep Your Head Up, Holler If You Hear Me, and I Get Around. The latter single featuring Digital Underground being a big hit spending 25 weeks on the charts. Did you know Pac wrote Shock G's verse too? I mean, the more you know. This one isn't all about the singles though. Guess who's back? Represent 93 and the title track are all strong B-sides. If you thought the controversy from the Soldier Story record on his debut would scare Pac off from touching on the subject of the police, uh, then you don't know Pac. Soldier's Revenge continues the story and doubles down on 
on the popular phrase NWA was screaming a few years prior. Opening the door and inviting more outside features than before, West Coast legends Ice-T and Ice Cube appear on Last Words, while Tretch, Apache, and Live Squad spit on five deadly venoms. Not everything works as records like Struggling, well, struggle to hold your attention in present day. So while there is a decent gap between this and the top three albums from Shakur, that's more due to the insane level of quality those records possess and less about strictly shortcomings. Before we get to the top three, we gotta let you know you are entering the classic zone. This is the spot where these next projects are all considered some of the best works in hip hop's 50 year history. Therefore, the order could change depending on the weather. With that being said, today, this is how we ranked them. Number three. Machiavelli, The Don Caluminati, Seven Day Theory. The one and only posthumous release in which Pac had creative control over, The Don Caluminati, Seven Day Theory is usually referred to as Machiavelli, which was the alias the project was released under. Recorded in and mixed in just seven days, reportedly 21 tracks were created during that span, with 12 making the final cut. A lot less feature heavy than the previous release, All Eyes On Me, Machiavelli is considered a fan favorite by many. For good reason too, as this is one of the more controversial records in rap history. Dropping only two months after his death, the stage name Machiavelli was the first thing to catch everyone's eye. Those who paid attention to history class know that that was a play on the famous Italian philosopher Niccolo Machiavelli, who Pac became familiar with after reading his material in jail. There was a myth that the author advocated faking your own death and war as a strategy, implying that Tupac did the same thing. Add to that the album cover depicting the crucifixion of Christ, with Pac himself on the cross, and last but certainly not least, the very first words you hear on the album when you press play. Sounds a whole lot like somebody saying Suge shot me, which poured a ridiculous amount of gas on the Suge had Pac set up to be killed rumor that was persistent around that time. Well, aside from a blurry pic of a lookalike in Cuba and several Vlad interviews, we think it's safe to say A, he's no longer with us, and B, we know who truly is responsible for his death. Or do we? On to the music though. Like we stated, it's a lot slimmer on the features this time around with the only non-Outlaws member to make a rap appearance being Snoop's protege badass on the banger crazy. Rest in peace, badass. But from start to finish, the album is incredible. From the high energy beef fueled intro bomb first to the dark hail mary with one of the more iconic opening lines in hip-hop's history to the more conscious white man's world the album has every version of Pac you could want he talks to the ladies on toss it up and gets in his storytelling bag on me and my girlfriend the former isn't exactly one of our favorites but we understand something had to get radio play fun fact about toss it up the actor who played Pac in the biopic all eyes on me demetrius ship jr his father ship senior co-produced that song now, how crazy is that with that being said a piece of us wishes that was left on the cutting room floor, but we're not gonna hold it against anybody. The album closes out with one of Pac's dopest B-sides ever in Against All Odds, where he calls out Nas, Mob D, Puff Daddy, as well as friend turned faux Haitian Jack for his role in Pac's rape case. If there was an argument for Machiavelli to be number one, it's that it's gotten even better with time, arguably aging the best out of others in his catalog. But today, there's two more ahead of it. Number two, All Eyes On Me. After being bailed out of jail by Suge Knight and Jimmy Iovine in the fall of 95, Pac signed a new deal with Death Row Records, dropping his iconic double album earlier the following year. Where Machiavelli gets bonus points for being concise with not a lot of filler, you have to give All Eyes On Me props for the sheer number of bangers on the two hour and 20 minute long album. Yes, you heard right. Out of 27 total tracks, there's only two songs under four minutes. That's unheard of in 2023. Some may use that against this album, but the impact of the highlights are just too much to ignore. If Pac were here to do a versus against anyone, there'd be at least 10 songs played from this album, easy. Sounding 
more like a greatest hits track list. Disc one is littered with slappers, ambitious as a rider, no more pain, California love, I ain't mad at you, life goes on, two of America's most wanted, hey, come on, dog. And just in case you think things slow down on disc two, he hit you with can't see me, picture me rolling, holla at me, and the title track all eyes on me. Damn, I just realized all those titles had me in them. Not sure to do with that info, but that's interesting. Pac obviously had a lot to get off his chest coming home from a bid where he's always claimed his innocence and he left it all on the table. The bar in hip hop was set extremely high for double disc as this was the first solo double album in hip hop history. A feat many have since tried with one, maybe two meeting the level of this. Shout out to superb production from Johnny J and Daz doing most of the heavy lifting behind the boards. Recently, Suge Knight would reveal Daz was actually the producer behind Snoop's debut Doggy Style, not Dr. Dre. Now Daz would come out and dispel that rumor. Not sure why Suge would just make that up, but I guess stranger things have happened. Still, people need to put some respect on Daz's production game. Looking back at this monumental moment in time, it's a little bittersweet. When you think of Death Row, the first names that come to mind besides the CEO are Snoop, Dre, and Pac. We only have two songs with Pac over Dre production, one Pac and Snoop collab, not including All About You, where Snoop just talks at the end, and more importantly, zero records with all three of them together. One of the biggest what-ifs in hip-hop history is how things would have been had the Death Row super team stayed intact for a sustained period of time. Number one, me against the world. To say the two short years in between his second and third albums were eventful would be a gross understatement. Pac was arrested in October of 93 for shooting two off-duty police officers in Atlanta. He was shot five times in the infamous Quad Studio robbery, and he began a prison sentence for his role in an alleged sexual assault in New York. The now movie star would release the aptly titled Me Against the World just 30 days later, March of 95. With his name in the news now more than ever, the album was a massive success, led by the timeless lead single Dear Mama. Tupac is quoted as saying this album was meant to show people this was an art to him. If that's the case, this will be his Mona Lisa. From showing off lyrical techniques on If I Die Tonight, reflective raps on So Many Tears, and the paranoia inducing death around the corner, the album is a masterpiece. The album would also mark the first time we hear his group The Outlaws featured, going by the name Dramacidal back then. Both records thereon, Outlaw and the title track, are fire, and aside from them, Oakland MC Richie Rich is the only other feature appearing on Heavy in the Game. Nominated for the very first rap album of the year Grammy, Pac would lose to Naughty by Nature's Poverty's Paradise. That category was stacked with Bones East 1999 and ODB's debut in the mix as well. Questionable call right there. He also would lose his other nomination for Best Rap Solo Performance for Dear Mama to Coolio for Gangsta's Paradise. Eh, that's a closer call, but still. No trophies for this album is nuts. Even the Source magazine had to amend its original rating of four mics to a perfect five mics a few years later. It was the right thing to do as this album is a certified classic that kicked off an insane three album run. Speaking of Dear Mama, did y'all watch the FX docuseries directed by Alan Hughes from the Hughes Brothers? Yes, that's the guy Pac got into an altercation with back in the day, and some may have questioned why they got him to do it, but fuck that, he killed it. The series is superb and a must watch for not only Pac fans, not just hip hop fans either, but fans of music, period. Allen is working on that Snoop biopic too. We think it's in good hands. RIP to the legend Tupac Amaru Shakur. If you enjoyed this list, we have several others on the channel, including these. Go ahead, check out another one. You got plenty of time. Until the next episode, I'm CJ Williams. I'm out.